Morning, guys. How you doing? Yeah, man, it's so uh, good to be here. We always, as pastors, we were talking the, just last week how we always look so forward um, to this month and being able to hang out with each of uh, the churches and being able to share what kind of what God's laying on our hearts. And uh, we did come up with a thing called One Gospel. And uh, this morning, I'm actually going to be preaching out of an Old Testament passage out of Ezekiel uh, chapter 36 and 37. So if you have your Bibles or uh, use a smartphone, or um, I know that there'll be a few of the passages will be on the screen uh, as well. But I want to start by just uh, asking you a question. What have you done to this point in your life? So, like, if you were to write a resume about your life this point, what would that resume look like and what would it be filled with? You know, when you, when you write a resume, you typically like, that was my child that just left the building, um, making the noise. Uh, but, yes, I do have an eight-month-old. I know I don't look that old. Um, I am that old, but I'm actually 45. Any 45-year-olds in here? All right, I got one, a couple, like people don't want to, they want to celebrate that. So, so I have four kids, I don't know, some of you guys know this, I have four kids, I have a 19-year-old, I have an 18-year-old, I have a 15-year-old, and I have an eight-month-old, okay? Now, 15 years ago, we tried to prevent having any more children, and God had other plans. And so, uh, Eli showed up uh, eight months ago. And we celebrate his life and know that God has big plans for him. Um, so I wrote my resume with an eight-month-old uh, in, in the picture, knowing that when he graduates, I'll be like using my walker, you know, at graduation. Um, but So if you were to write a resume for today, and you were to look back at the last, uh, I mean, if you're like in Darren I's shoes, last 45 years or however old you are, what would that resume look like? And obviously, I'm not talking about your work experience. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, all the, the great things that, you know, all the great family trips that you've been able to take. But let's, let's spiritualize it this morning and look at all the things that maybe we have done for God. Because here's the deal, here's the deal. Uh, John 10.10 10 says that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy but Jesus has come that we might have what? That we might have life, and not just have life, but that we might have it more abundantly. And, and that's what he's trying to, to lay the foundation. So the one gospel is this, is that God knew how jacked up we were. I mean, he created us, and then he gave us the freedom to be who he wanted us to be he didn't create robots to say hey you got to do this and you got to do that but he gave us the freedom and in that we became pretty jacked up people right this means yes it's okay to talk i know your parents said don't ever talk at church or you'll get smacked all right but it's, re it's really okay my parents told me that they also made me wear a tie shirts and like it um and and so um, just kind of just kind of understanding that the one gospel is this is that God knew that we were pretty jacked up people and he knew that we needed a savior and he already had a redemption plan from the very beginning of time. And and so as we as a church, we've actually been walking through the Old Testament over the last six months. OK, we challenged our church. and I know Pastor Heath 
challenges you guys almost every year to read through the Bible. And over the last six months, we've been reading through the Old Testament. Um, last month, we did all the Psalms. And then ne- this month, we obviously take a break since we're all kind of preaching our own things. Next, week, next month, we'll be in the book of Proverbs. And then in the fall, we'll actually be walking through all of the New Testament. So if you've done any study of the Old Testament, you see how messed up the Israelites really are. And it's, it's so funny because in this journey of walking through the Old Testament, I was reminded of how up and down the Israelites really were. You see these high times where they were, they were really obedient to God, and then you see these really low times where that just seemed to come more than the high times did. It's this up and down, this, um, this roller coaster of a life going throughout the Old Testament, walking through the Israelites, seeing their obedience, their disobedience, their obedience, their disobedience. And the interesting part about the Old Testament is it really paints a picture of who we are today. Just to be really honest with you, even in the church, the church is filled with obedience, disobedience, obedience, disobedience. We look at our own personal life and you look at your resume over the last however many years that you've lived, you probably would seem that, see that same roller coaster ride. I mean, unless you're perfect. Anybody here perfect? I didn't think so. And we see this roller coaster ride all with with the Israelites all on the way. And then I kind of landed at this passage in, in Ezekiel. And I thought it was really interesting. It's one I've read before, but I really felt like God just speaking to me a few weeks ago about, hey, this is what I want you to say to the church. Just being really honest with you this morning, I've actually preached this message already. I preached it at Crosswinds just a few weeks ago and really felt like God saying, okay, this is what I want you to say to the other three churches that you'll be going to in a few months because I, re- I really believe that there's some life in it and it's not because of what I've come up with, but it's because of what's in the Scripture, okay? It's not my words. I mean, anytime I try and preach, I try to not craft my points um, to make them say anything different from, than what the Word actually says. Because, listen, I can't do it any better than the Word already says it. God already crafted it. I don't need to recraft it. Okay? And so we're in, we're in, uh, in Ezekiel chapter 36 and at the very end of it. We've been, we've been reading through, uh, if you've read through Ezekiel, you'll again see that same pattern of up and down with the Israelites. Up and down with the Israelites. Their, their obedience, their disobedience. Their obedience, their disobedience. And here, God is really dealing with their disobedience quite a bit. But then it kind of takes a turn. The latter chapters that we get in Ezekiel, like in chapter 33, and he's using the prophet Ezekiel to speak into the lives of the Israelites at this moment. Okay, now we know that Ezekiel is one of the major prophets and he God used major prophets at that time to speak into the lives of of the of of the people of Israel, because what was happening, listen, what was happening was the Israel, the Israelites were falling into the pattern of the culture around them. Okay, so the culture around them was beginning to rise up and set up all these um, all these uh, idols and worship them. And the Israelites were kind of finding that, you know what, maybe at times God's not enough. And so they were turning to idol worship. If you've read any of the Old Testament, you'll see that the Israelites fell into idol worship during that time. Listen, and that's exactly like what we are today. We may no, we probably haven't built a golden calf with eyes and mouth and hands and feet and all those kind of things. But we have golden calves in our society. 
And if we were to even do an, a, a true evaluation of our own life, we probably would find, if we're really honest with ourselves, there are, there are things that we have set up as idols in our lives that are more important than God. And you probably would know that if you were to take an evaluation of your life and look at the resume that you have had to this point. Now look back and, at, at my own life, and, and, and obviously, uh, here's what we're really good at. As individuals, we're really good at finding all the bad things, aren't we? Like if I were to tell you to sit down and write down all the bad things, man, they would, you could just list them off, bam, 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 right? And then if I were to say, hey, what are all the good things, you'd probably struggle to find those strengths. Although on a resume, what do you want to put on your resume? All your strengths. All your strengths because you want to get that job. Obviously, if you're filling out a resume, you want the job. And so you're putting all these great things. And I think, so here's the question that I, I believe that this passage begins to lend itself. And to be honest with you, there were some things that God got a hold of me this morning at about 2.05. And he wanted me to add into this message. And I have no reason, why, I have no understanding why, but I'm just going to say it. And, and we'll leave it there and, and let you guys deal with it because maybe God wants to deal with it in your own life. Because they, I know it's something that maybe it was for me and you guys can just ignore it. Okay? So here's what I believe at 205 this morning that God said that this passage kind of lends itself to is who are you really? Who are you really? And what is your true identity? What is the identity that you've chosen to walk in these days, right now, at this time in your life? I realize that there were probably some times that were good. If you look at the past, there are probably some high times, some probably some low times, some high times, low times. You've probably been on that same roller coaster. But where are you right now? And who are you and what have you chosen? Listen, listen, because this is really important because Ezekiel was speaking to the Israelites about this. What have you chosen to believe about God? Not Now, now listen, not what the church has taught you to believe about God. Okay? Because sometimes the church doesn't always do as good a job teaching you about who God really, really is. You're like, what? What, Pastor? He didn't... Well, I'm sure Pastor Heath does a perfect job. But let's say today that maybe we're going to allow God just to give us a fresh perspective of who he is this morning. Because what he wants to do from this point forward in your life is bigger than you can imagine. So imagine with me for just a minute. You ever like to dream? You ever dream about what life could be like? Or what you thought life was going to be like? Or what you think your future might hold? I know there's probably some teenagers, probably some younger younger people, younger than us 45-year-olds because we're one foot in the grave. No, I'm just kidding. I feel that way some days when I get up and go to F3 with Pastor Heath. He kills me. <laughs> That's the only part of our friendship I don't like, okay? <laughs> Him and Greg Bradley. All right. Brady. Um, and what was I saying? Totally lost my train of thought. Oh, no. Just imagine with me for just a minute. 
on average, I probably got about 40 years left, 45. If I make it to 90, my grandmother lived to be 99. She made it about three weeks. Um, my dad just passed away in March. He was 80, 87 years old just a few weeks ago, months ago. What, what, would I want, what would you want your life to look like if you knew that you had an end date, and you do have an end date at some point? What would you want to give yourself to? And the things that you would want to give yourself to, are they the same things that you've given yourself to over the last few years? That kind of changes everything, doesn't it? When you start to put everything into perspective. Okay, let's, so let's go to the scripture. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 33, it says this. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On the day I cleanse you from all your sins, I will resettle your towns, and the ruins will be rebuilt. Say rebuilt. They'll be rebuilt. The desolate land will be cultivated instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass through it. They will say, this land that was laid waste has become like the Garden of Eden. Say Garden of Eden. The cities that were lying in ruins, desolate and destroyed, are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt, say rebuilt, rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted, say replanted, replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will do it. Say, I will do it. I will do it. So God's making his promises. So what, what Ezekiel was saying to the Israelites, what God was speaking to Ezekiel, and Ezekiel was speaking to the Israelites and saying, listen, you have really messed it up. The place that you're living is desolate. There's not a whole lot here. But guess what I'm getting ready to do? I'm getting ready to rebuild, to replant. I'm getting ready. We just sang a song. I was changed forever. Now, let me ask you the question. When Christ came into your life, and if you've taken that step of faith, and you stepped into a relationship with him, has he changed you forever? Like, like really changed you forever? That The thing, way you see things now is not the way that you used to see things. Like it's this whole new perspective. And so like 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And so Ezekiel saying to the Israelites, listen, this is where you were, okay? This is where you were, but this is what I will do. That's what God said, right? I will do it. And so what we understand through this passage is this, is that what God was doing was he was showing the Israelites his original plan for humanity. He was showing them his intentional, original plan for humanity. He, you see, when God created us, he created Adam and Eve, and he said, it is good. He created the Garden of Eden, and it was one of the most beautiful places Ever. And all he said to Adam and Eve was that, listen, okay, the whole garden is yours, but just don't touch the one tree. 
And here's what I love about that is it still applies to our life is that we can find our lives and, and, and feel like our lives are in a de- desolate place. But guess what God's plans are for our life? The Garden of Eden. His intentional plan was for us to live in a, pl- a very beautiful place and find joy and find peace and find hope in the life that we're living in. But the Israelites chose to find themselves living as the culture that they were living in, living like that in a desolate land, instead of living in this very beautiful place that God had created. See, God has a purpose and a plan for every one of our lives, and it's a very beautiful place, but a lot of times we choose the desolate land because we want to do our own thing, much like the Israelites did. They kind of wanted to do their own thing. But here's what I love, and this is the one gospel. This is that forgiveness of God that no matter how much we've jacked our life up to this point, God still has the ability to do something great in and through every single one of us. So imagine with me for just a moment. What would your life look like? We were totally all in, committed to the things of God. What would the church look like if we were all in, totally committed to the things of God? What would your relationships look like? What would your job look like? What would your family look like if we were all in, totally committed to the things? What would this community look like if the church was all in, totally committed to the things of God? Because his intentional plan for humanity was a very beautiful thing. So then what God does is he takes Ezekiel and he puts him in a different place. Okay, verse, uh, chapter 37, verses 1 through 7. It says, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. Say valley. You ever felt like you were in a valley? Like, a, like the pit in a place that you didn't want to be? Set, set me in the valley. It was full of Bones. Okay, so put yourself in this pit, in this passage. One of the greatest things you can do with the scripture is try and put yourself in the story, and and try and learn from it. Whether you're reading a book or whatever, you put yourself in the story. So you're Ezekiel, and God's taken you, and He's stuck. He stuck you in this valley, and it's full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Now, that's a really interesting question to me. Because here's what I believe God was doing to Ezekiel. He was asking Ezekiel what he believed about God. Was he not? Is that not what the question lends itself to? What? You know, son of man, can these bones live? And obviously in us, if God asks us a question, then most of the time we're like, of course. 
But I think God was kind of probing Ezekiel in this moment, saying, okay, I want to see what you truly believe about God. Maybe that's what God's trying to say to us this morning, is okay, Christian, okay, church, okay, uh, follower of Jesus, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call yourself. What is it that you truly believe about God? What is it that you truly believe about who I am? Because How you've choose, chosen to look at yourself will determine how you look at God. So he goes on to say, I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Which I thought that was an interesting response. Like Ezekiel didn't come out and say, yes. He's kind of like, well, God, uh, you know. Like he turned it back on him, Right? How many times have you asked your kids a question they turned it back on you? And I thought that was an interesting response. He kind of, Ezekiel said, well, well, you alone know. I, I don't know if that, maybe, maybe Ezekiel wasn't sure. <laughs> like, are you unsure about what God can do? And so I'll just say, well, because Jesus was really good at that, wasn't he, right? When somebody asked him a question, he always turned it around on them and asked them a question back before giving an answer. And so what I think he was doing, he was probing to see what it was that Ezekiel actually believed in this moment. Then he said to me, this is what God said to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these, to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. Say life. And you will come to life. I will, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you, and I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So here was Ezekiel's response. So I prophesied as I was commanded to. So Ezekiel stepped in obedience. His first response was, well, you know, you want to know God. And then God said, well, I want you to prophesy to him. So, so Ezekiel said, okay, well, then that's what I'm going to do. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and the tendons and the flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Say breath. Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as I was commanded, as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and stood up on their feet a vast army. Once Ezekiel stepped in obedience, he saw a miracle. But here's what we do a lot of times when we find ourselves in the valley. Okay, let's be honest. The pit the valley, hard times, whatever you want to call them, they're not fun places to be, are they? And often in those times, 
we find it hard to find life. Right? So here's what, as I was processing through this and thinking about it, this is what I felt God speak to me. Because I'm just going to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you this morning? Yeah, because I'm always honest with crosswinds. And the last year of my life has probably been the hardest year that I have ever had. Ever. Like, if I, and I'm not going to tell you my problems, because this is not a counseling session. But if I were to explain some of the things that I've had to walk through the last year, you'd be like, no way. And, and there's even been a more recent problem that I've had to walk through that's really none of your business. And I found myself living in the valley with a bunch of dry bones. And here's what God told me. Stop talking about your problems. Stop worrying. Any worriers in here? Everybody can raise your hand. Yes. It's funny. Uh, when I was a teenager, I never worried about anything, right? Even into my college, even in probably my first two years of marriage, my wife said to me not long after we'd been married, she's like, do you worry about anything? I'm like, no. I was pretty happy-go-lucky, you know, didn't really care. And then I had teenagers. Then I started worrying. But I, and I found myself over the last year in this place where um, I just really didn't want to be. And, and I was finding a hard time just finding joy in the moment. Because here's what I know about God. I know that I can find joy in the, in the valley. I know I can find joy in the hard time. Okay? And what God said to me was stop talking about your problems. You ever around a person and all they ever do is talk about their problems and talk about their problems? You're like, please shut up. I don't want to hear about your problems anymore. You've already told me enough. See, I'm a great counselor. You come to me for counseling, I'm eventually going to say, you know what? It's, maybe it's just time to get over it and move on. And I know that that's not great counseling skills, so don't come to me for counseling. <clears throat> but I had to say to myself, stop talking about it Stop worrying about it and start living in God's promises. Stop talking, stop worrying, stop walking in this place where I just always feel like down and depressed and woe is me. And stop living in this place where you think there's just a bunch of dead, dry bones and start realizing that even in the valley, there could be life found in the valley because God has given me that life. And I have to ask the question, what is it even in the valley that I'm going to believe about who God is? What am I going to believe about who God is? So stop worrying and stop talking about your problems and start living in his promises. And I even came to this place in my life because what did Ezekiel do to the dry bones? What did he do to the things that were dead in his life? What did God tell him to do? He told him to, he told him to speak to them. He said, speak to those dry bones. In the valley, when you're walking through, whatever you're walking through, whether... Listen, it might be like your your it might be like your marriage, it might be your job, 
and then these things probably aren't going to stick. But um, it, it might be, you know, your finance. Uh, this is a great illustration. Don't tell Pastor Heath my illustration went bad. All right. Um, it, and, and always, it was, maybe that's where they all originate. Man, that, that just came to me. They all originate in our, our dumb heads. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to do whatever he can to, to make you feel like you can't get out of that place. And I love what God told Ezekiel to do. He said, Ezekiel, you speak to those dry bones. You see, because here's the problem. Tell yourself something long enough, you'll begin to believe it. The Israelites, they were living in a culture filled with lies. Because what they had chosen to believe is that idol worship was more important than the one true God. Because they didn't see God coming through for them. So they thought, well, maybe the better option is to do things the way the culture is doing them, and that'll make things okay. And they realized that that was totally not the truth. And I believe what we've done is we've allowed the culture to influence our lives instead of our lives and what God has put in us influence the culture. And so our resume, when we write it, actually looks like it has more of the culture stuff than it does the things of God. Because the things that probably aren't, if you were to write your resume today, and you, on one side you were to put like the things of God, and the other side you would kind of put the things that we've chosen to believe as a culture, this list over here, the things of the culture, would probably be longer than the things of God. I would dare say probably about the majority of us. Because what we've chosen to believe is the lies of the enemy. Because if you lie to yourself long enough, you will eventually start to believe those lies. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do to you. I, I'm really personal this morning. Um, I grew up great Christian home. Um, parents taught me a lot about God. And uh, I was an athlete in high school. Way more arrogant than I ever should have even thought about being. Played basketball, thought I was better than what I really was. Um, not a real humble guy. And it's interesting because what I look back and I see was that um, I lived that way because I didn't want to, I didn't like the fact that I really didn't believe in myself. I didn't have a whole lot of uh, um confidence in myself and it's interesting because that followed me as the years went gone, went by and to be honest with you i really kind of even struggle with that some these days is because i look and say god i'm not quite sure why you called me to be a pastor of a church because i'm not really good at it and so you start to you start to tell yourself that 
and eventually you believe that lie. And so you kind of come to this place. And I, I've come to it probably two or three times in my ministry at Crosswinds Church. I've been the pastor for almost 10 years. And I can see these points, probably two, three points in my life where I went into the, went into the room and I, I got down, uh, I sat down on the floor and I just cried and cried and cried. And I said, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this. And my wife so compassionately walks in and says, well, get up because you don't have a choice. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Because if you tell you, if you lie to yourself enough, you'll eventually begin to believe those lies. And so speak truth. You have to see what God sees. You have to trust God with the impossible things. Your marriage, your job, your kids, your kids, your kids, your kids. Y'all see what I'm struggling with here? Your kids. And what I had to, to realize is that I had to, stop, I had to start speaking life over my problems. I had to start speaking life over my kids. I had to start speaking life over the situations in, a, in my life that I found that really almost seemed like this is just not going to work. So about four months ago, some of you guys know that we're in, we were in the process of building a building. We had been in that process for like two years. We had kind of come to this place where we kind of had hit the wall and we had really been praying, okay, God, really, I probably was in that 11th hour where I was ready to say, Poof, we're done, we're not building a building, we're, you know, we've got this land, we'll just let it sit for whatever period of time, and we're, we're just done. But I knew what God had told me to pray about. You see, about two years ago, God told me to start praying for a million dollars. I had no, no idea why God told me to start praying for a million dollars. Some of you guys know that we filled out a grant back last year in January, they were supposed to tell us if we had been awarded that grant. Didn't hear anything. February comes, didn't hear anything. Finally, the end of March comes. I get a letter in the mail, and we were granted, a, we were given a grant for six hundred and forty-eight thousand dollars. I mean, that's just the way God is. And my stupidity wanted to start backing the truck up when God already had a plan in place. You see, it's a process, and we just have to keep moving. We have to keep trusting. We have to keep seeing things from a totally different perspective from his eyes. Because, listen, if he wants you to stop, he'll tell you to stop. You just got to listen. But if he doesn't tell you to stop, then you better not stop. And what you got to see is those things that seem like mountains, you got to speak life into those things. 
So here's three promises that we know to be true about God that you need to write them on your heart, write them on your wall, write them on your, you can tattoo them on your body, I don't care. But we have to know that from the very beginning of time, God promises that he'll always be with us. He'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. That's the greatest promise you can ever hold on to. So in every situation that you walk through in life, no matter what it's like, you remember God is always with me. He's always for me. He will never forsake me. He's already in the situation. He's already got it figured out. You just have to keep, you have to stay obedient. And keep running after the things of God. I heard there's a song that came out just recently. It says, you got to desire the healer more than the healing. you got to desire the miracle giver more than the miracle. And as you run out for, after God, guess what? Then he'll begin to open the doors that he needs to open in your life. Daniel's going to plant a church, and he's got to trust that God's going to open the right doors. Right people, right places, right timing. Because we're good at running ahead of God. We're really good at not trusting God and being like the Israelites and thinking, well, God, you, you don't have it figured out yet, so I'm going to help you along. And I, try, I started to do that a few months ago with this whole building project. I started to just say, okay, God, we'll, we'll just back up, throw the towel in, we're done, forget this, we'll just stay right where we are and we'll keep trucking along. God said, nope, that's not what I have for you. This is what I have for you. He'll always be with you. He can, he can work. Listen, listen. God can work through any problem. He can work through any problem. And he can take our messed up, jacked up life, as messed up as we can make it, and he can turn it into something very beautiful. So if you've lived 45 years jacking your life up, guess what? Your next 45 years can be very beautiful. That's just, that's the gospel. That's the way God works. You see, because what God's saying through this is, I actually sent my son to give you life. And I'm going to breathe life into you. I'm going to breathe life into you. This is interesting. I, I never really connected the passages until just recently when I was studying this. But in Luke chapter 23, verse 46, at the very, I don't know if you know the last thing that Jesus actually did on the cross. So Jesus went through everything that he went through for us. And as he was hanging on the cross, the scripture teaches us in Luke 23, verse 46, it says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he did what? He breathed his last. Jesus breathed his last so that we might have life through him. He gave his breath so that we could have breath. But Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He came back to life, but he had to go to the cross for our forgiveness. He had to go to the cross so that we could have life, so that we could be forgiven of all the past resume crap that we have. And see that there is a great Garden of Eden, a great future for every single one of us. 
He breathed his last so that we might have breath. So that we might have life. And listen, what happened in the valley when Ezekiel spoke and the bones came to life, tendons, flesh, breath entered, this well up, this well up. What happened when Ezekiel spoke that, spoke, what, did, what did Ezekiel speak? God's words, okay? So that's important. Speak God's words over your problems, okay? And when Ezekiel spoke to the dry bones, they got up. And what, what I love, and I didn't see this a few weeks ago, but they were a vast army. God didn't call his church to be an audience. God didn't call his church to come sit in chairs on Sunday morning for an hour and sing your nice little pretty songs and go home and pat yourself on the back. And if that's all you do, then you're not much of a resume builder. God called us and he breathed life into us so that we would be a vast army. And what this community, if I can speak life over you, I'm not, I'm not proclaiming to be a prophet this morning. But I will say this. What if God's people in his church walked in the life that he created for every single one of us, what would the vast army look like in Leland, North Carolina? I'm not talking about anywhere else, but I'm talking about Leland. What if Reach Community Church and Crosswinds Church and the Point Church and Leland First Baptist and all these churches actually started living in the way that God created us to live, this community, we would, not be, we would not be impacted by the community. The community would be impacted by the church. God's wanting to take you, and he is breathing life into you, and then he wants you to take that life, and he wants you to speak that life and breathe that life into the people around you. And you impact the culture instead of the culture impacting you. He wants to give you life. Now, the valleys will still come, but you speak his word into those valleys. You speak his word over the things that seem dead in your life. Your job situation, your marriage, your relationships, your children whatever it might be, you start to speak his word over those things. And I guarantee that you will see things change. Would you want a miracle? Do you want a miracle? Wow, that's really exciting. I'm sure if God were standing here and he's like, hey, would you want a miracle? You guys wouldn't go. Uh, yeah, maybe. 
And I know we're in church and we don't typically act this way. But I believe that God wants to do a miracle in every single one of your lives. That's what we saw in the valley, right? In the valley, he saw, Ezekiel saw the miracle. And so God's wanting to do a miracle in your life. But the question is, what do you believe about God? What, do you, what have you chosen to believe about who he is? And then what do you believe about yourself? You've got to answer those two questions. And then realize that God wants to speak life over. He wants you to speak life over your problems. Let's pray. I want you to ask God to do something right now. I want him to ask I want you to ask him to do something in your life. Maybe it's give you a new perspective of who he is. Maybe it's give you a bigger perspective of who he is. Make you more aware of who he is. Make you more aware of what he can do. Help you to see things in your life differently and see life in those things instead of seeing all the problems that are in your life. Maybe it's somebody in your life that is a coworker that just drives you nuts. You want God to use you to speak into the life of that relationship. Maybe it is your marriage. Maybe it is your kids. Maybe it is your finances. I believe that today God wants to do a miracle. Miracles don't always come the next day. They don't always come right away. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. I believe that God wants to do something. And so, God, whatever you want to do in us, God, my prayer for us as the church is that we would, with open arms and open hands and open minds this morning, trust you. That we would be obedient, like Ezekiel was obedient, to speak your words over the dry bones, God, that we would be obedient in speaking your words over our problems and our issues and the things in our life. And God, that we as a church would rise up and be a vast army. That when we leave these doors today, we go into Leland and we might go into a restaurant or we might go home or we might go to Walmart and God, that even then you might open up a door of opportunity for us to influence the people around us. God, we'll be sure to give you the glory and the honor and the praise for who you are. In your name I pray. Amen.